this passage gives great insight into um, the text that we're reading this morning. Psalm 136, starting in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. In fact, as I hit that line, I want you to say it with me. His steadfast love endures forever. We're going to read that a lot in this chapter. So every time we hit it, we're going to sound off together, okay? All right, here we go. Verse 2, give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens... For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. For his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. For his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from his, our foes for his steadfast love endures forever he who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures 
forever. Now that one you wouldn't need me to exegete to make the point, would we? God's steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of God. This morning we're going to, if you don't have a Bible, I'd like to put a Bible in your hand. Uh, Curtis and Colleen got Bibles up here for you, so just raise your hand. Um, and we'll be in Genesis chapter 40 this morning. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, please take that Bible home with you. Let that be a gift to you. But we want a, a Bible open. Um, either you got it up on your phone or you got it up on your iPod or you got it in, a, in hard copy form in front of you. But we want the Word of God open and in front of you so you're able to read along and study with us this morning as we look at Genesis chapter 40. Um, for those of you who are visiting with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We find ourselves in our Joseph series, um, and we titled this series, A Life on Mission. Joseph lives on, for God in a myriad of different ways and in a myriad of different things and opportunities. Um, Casey or Tammy, you're going to have to advance my slides for me. I had to disconnect the computer because the slides are a little weird this morning from the Wi-Fi. So, um, as we look at Genesis chapter 40, but those who are visiting this morning, you heard John kind of vaguely reference um, Kat, my daughter Kira going for surgery. We leave um, tomorrow morning, about 3.30 in the morning, to head over, and Kira's going to be having brain surgery to fix a malformation in the base of her skull. And so that will take place at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, so we do appreciate your prayers for that. Also, I just wanted to briefly go back and talk about Pastor's Coffee. What is Pastor's Coffee? Why would we have that? That is an event that we hold once a month at my house where we kind of introduce the church to you. We talk a little bit about our history, where we've come from. We talk about where we're going and the future that we look to and that believe God is taking us and give you an opportunity to ask us questions about what we believe or ask us questions about why do you, you know, dress so funny? All those questions can be answered, okay? Um, but no, we love to have you come to our house, hang out with us for a little bit. My wife and I do that together, so it's a lot of fun. And you get to ask her questions and find out really, truly, you know, the, the Scott Morse that is not up front, what he is like. So, um, so Genesis chapter 40, we're going to dive into this text this morning, and then we will move forward in our time of worship. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, there just seems to be a bit of just chaos surrounding things this morning, and um, I'm sensing it, I'm feeling it, I know probably others are probably are too, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit right now would just powerfully descend upon this place and into our hearts and our lives, that we might be comforted and that we, our hearts and minds might be cleared open and receptive to the teaching of your word, Lord God, for your word is great, your word is good, and it's wonderful, it's enjoyable, it's life-changing, it's encouraging, and Lord God, we want to know you, and this is how we get to know you, is through your word, and, and being in prayer, Lord God, so I just pray this morning as we spend this time together, Lord God, we might tune our hearts to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Last week, I kind of joked around um, 
about needing a warning label for the sermon, and I think after the sermon, many of you understood what I was saying, um, but you couldn't have been more encouraging to me this week. Your comments, um, what Clarissa posted on Facebook, uh, she, she did something on Facebook or Instagram, again, I'm, I'm really lousy at the whole social media thing, I have to, you know, in pastor school, they always tell you to hire to your weaknesses, so, so, so Clarissa has stepped in in a big way to fulfill one of my great weaknesses. Um, she posted on an Instagram, you know, Jesus is greater than, and she put a blank. And many of you responded with some very encouraging responses, and I was so glad you did that. But I'm going to ask you to dig even deeper today. I'm going to ask us to move from the general to the very specific. I'm going to ask us this morning to be blatantly honest with where our hearts are at. To be blatantly honest with God and hopefully with other people who are close to us that we have joined in community with about where our hearts are at in regards to what we're going to talk about this morning. I'd love to tell you this morning, Steve said we're going to have some fun singing this morning and singing some upbeat songs. And I was like, fantastic. Because you're probably going to have to pick us all back up at the end of this sermon. (laughs) We're going to start with. Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 and 21 this morning. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, so it should be pretty easy to find. Just flip to the beginning, hit Genesis, and then we're in chapter 40, but we're going to begin at this at the end of chapter 39, in verse, verse, starting in verse 20. And it reads, And Joseph, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison and the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison now some of you are just joining us this week whoa uh, I feel like I'm jumping in the middle of the story and you kind of are a little bit Um, this still is at the beginning of Joseph's story Joseph successfully navigated through temptation last week we read about him successfully avoiding uh, Potiphar's wife um, and, and she wanted to sleep with him and, and Joseph ran away and fled that temptation. And, and Joseph's reward was prison. That's hard, right? We wrestled with that last week. That's super hard for us to think about. Like, hey, if we survive temptation well, if we go through suffering well, we want to come out on the other side with a pat on the back and a little badge that says, I did a good job. We want our gold star. But what the reality is, is guess what? It's further tribulation and further temptation and further hardship. Because Jesus doesn't say, pick up your pillow, your gold star, and follow me. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. So we find Joseph in prison. But I want you to hear this wonderful statement in verse 21. But, I love that. You you know, underline that, circle that, highlight that in pink, red, yellow, green. Make that sucker jump off at the page at you. Joseph may be in prison, and his life may be seen to be at an utter horrible pit right now. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Oh, wait a minute. The steadfast love. That's exactly right. 
Joseph may be in a horrible place, and that's why we, this first point says sustained mission at the lowest point. How do we sustain living life for God in all of life at those points when we don't feel like it? It's by the steadfast love of the Lord that has been so richly poured out to us by the giving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. At the lowest, at the hardest points, we can still be on mission for God, faithfully serving and obeying him. Because there's this, there's this lie that's out there, brothers and sisters. And the lie is we get a day off from living for God. That's, that's a lie. I get a day off from ministry. I get a day off from living for Jesus. That's a lie because you know what? We are always in all of life either discipling people towards Jesus or often towards to the God of self. But we're always, always, always discipling people. We don't get a day off from it. So here's Joseph in the pit in prison, he knows he don't have a day off. And the steadfast love of the Lord is upon Joseph, and the Lord was with him. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And now before you start thinking that that's not that bad, hey, he's elevated in position. I'm going to challenge that thought process in a little bit. You know, there was a prophet who was identified as the sorrowful prophet, the prophet of sorrows, named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of those prophets that you did not want to be him. He was called by God to go minister to a people that wouldn't repent. He would bring a message of repentance, a message of their sin and their guilt and their shame, a message of the coming judgment. He would bring that message day in and day out, day in and day out, and the people hated him. He lived a life of utter rebuke from the people that he was sent to serve, day in and day out. And this is what he has to say in his book of laments, Lamentations. 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Listen to the next part. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now I want you to think about that. And the depth of despair and the hardest moments of mission and of living for God and the hardest moments of life and suffering, hardship, temptation, as we're going through these travails, we can sustain living for God at the hardest moments in our life with this perspective, this mindset that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever and his mercies are new every morning. That's very exciting for us, and we need to keep that in mind as we dive deeper into the recesses of what is going on in Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 22. 
And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prisoner, prison made no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Once again, Joseph's, life's put God, Joseph's life puts God on display. And the word here is the word Yahweh. If it's very specific, the name for God. Guess what the jailer knew of Yahweh, the one true God, because Joseph was putting God on a display in all that he was doing in prison. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord the king of Egypt. Now, this is an interesting terminology here. Remember back when Joseph was first tempted by Potiphar's wife, she said, hey, come, come lie with me. No one's going to know. This will be our little secret. And Joseph said, I will not sin against my God. Well, that word there, that word for sin that's used there, the word that, that, that Joseph is actually innocent of in this case is actually the same word that's used here for these two individuals. They committed a sin against Pharaoh. Notice this as we continue on in this text. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in his custody. This is what it meant for Joseph to have position in the prison. The people that deserved to be there, he took their poop bucket out. He served them their food. He wasn't guilty of sinning against Potiphar's wife or against God. In that regards. But these people were guilty of the offenses that they were put in prison for. And here Joseph is, is placed into a role of absolute servanthood for these individuals. Now how hard do you think at that moment, being utterly honest with ourselves here, would it be for us to say, yay God. I feel that love, that, that steadfast love that endures forever. That had to be brutally difficult and hard. But yet Joseph continued putting God on display at this lowest of low moments. He served the guilty. This reminds me so much of the better Joseph. Better Joseph, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Hebrews 9, 26, But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put sin Put to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Joseph may have not been guilty of that specific sin, but Joseph was a sinner. So Joseph couldn't say, I don't rightly deserve to be in prison at all. But there is one, the greater Joseph, who was guilty of no sin, who took upon our sin and went to the cross. And I want you to think about that for a second. The absolutely blameless Son of God going and dying for our sin. And this is his attitude in doing it. Jesus Christ understood more than anybody else, you don't get to take a day off for mission. You don't. And that includes as you've been whipped, beaten, mocked, and scorned, and on your way to the cross. He was praying. He was Speaking to the women, ministering to the mothers on his way to his death. And on the cross, he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the greatest example we could ever have. There's no harder moment. You and I will will never experience anything like that. But that's what it looks like in the hardest of hard moments to say, Here's the gospel in my life right now at my weakest, lowest moment. But for some reason, we feel when we're at our weakest, lowest moments, it's our right to cuss. It's our right to drink too much. It's, it's our right to, to do, because I guess what? It's, life's just hard right now, so I get to just act this way. And in that moment, we stop ministering. We just stop being missional for Jesus Christ, and we go to start being missional for the God of self. We don't get to take a day off. Now thank goodness for the grace of God. Thank goodness that God knew. I mean, Jesus, it just blows my mind that he knew he was going to go to the cross for a bunch of sorry sucker sinners that without him were without hope. Because guess what? He doesn't just... Save us and then say, okay, now do it perfectly. Don't you dare mess up again. He saves us knowing that we're going to continue to struggle and sin and provides the grace for us to keep getting back up. And to keep. And then in that moment of failure, in that moment of mission, missionally driving people towards the God of self, to be able to go back to those people and say, I repent of those actions. I repent of how I live my life at that moment and, and say to those people, The God of grace gives me the ability to overcome those moments, but you need to understand that that's not okay. And that I was discipling you towards me and not towards God in those moments. Jesus is the perfect example for us to what it looks like to live life 
on mission at the lowest and hardest of moments. God gives a blessing to Joseph in these moments, and that's what God does. God never leaves us, never he forsakes us, but I'm telling you what, do me a favor. Stop with the saying, he never gives us more than we can handle. Stick it in the toilet, write it on some toilet paper, and stick it in the toilet bowl and flush it. I'm serious. If that'll help you remember it, because God's in the business of giving you stuff you can't handle all the time. Because he wants us reliant on him in all aspects of our lives. In every aspect of our lives. Joseph was being sustained by the steadfast love of God in these moments. It's not possible for Joseph to live this way apart from the steadfast love of God. And neither can we live for God in the lowest of moments without the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us and strengthening us to do it. We are desperate for that, for, for God. This morning, Lord, I need you. Man, I need that. I guess it's, I, Sunday mornings are, are, are a great time, and, and I recognize the evil woman was coming against things this morning as we were coming in this morning and, and getting set up and music practice was starting. I just felt, man, there's, there's some... There's stuff that's going to come against this morning, and I felt that. And, man, as we were singing that song, I just was, like, desperate for God. Lord, I need you right now. And that should be our attitude. Our desperation is for God, not our own self-reliance, but for God. God gives this wonderful glimmer of hope to Joseph in Genesis chapter 40 and verses 5 through 22. One night, he's talking about the cupbearer and also the baker. One night, they both dreamed. Now, once again, we see a pattern here in Joseph's story. Joseph was given how many dreams? Two. We're going to see how many dreams here? Two. And in a little bit, we're going to see Pharaoh receives how many dreams? Two. Okay? God uses this throughout the story of Joseph. And I believe it is to remind Joseph that that dream I originally gave to you will happen, will come to fruition. Don't lose hope, don't lose sight. So here are two dreams that take place. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each had his own dream, and each of them with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, and he saw that they were troubled. Now, talk a moment here. Just pause for a second. He's not a guy going around in the prison serving other people and saying, I don't really care about you. He sees that they were troubled, and he ministers to them. Man, that's cool. And again, his ability to love those people and care for their needs in that moment is from whom? God. Don't miss it. That steadfast love of God is enabling him to care for the guilty in prison. Why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we have had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. And so the chief cupbearer told the dream, his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in his hand, and I took the grapes, pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days, and in three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place your cup in Pharaoh's hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. 
only remember me. Now, the way that the original language forms that statement, Joseph is making a plea. He is crying out from the depth of his heart, please, don't forget me. Remember this. Remember that what God gave me to tell you came true. Please don't forget me here. And when it is well with you, please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Now when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Can you imagine? He's like, sweet, this guy's getting out of jail. Can't wait to hear what my dream's about. He's a little disappointed. I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was all sorts of bread, baked food for Pharaoh. But the herb birds were eating out of the basket of my head. Joseph answered and said, this is an interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And in three days, oh, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. A ray of hope in a dark place. Those two dreams given to the one to the cupbearer, one to the baker, that Joseph was able to interpret, I believe served as a reminding point of the dreams that God had given Joseph initially. And Joseph's plea echoes that God, Joseph still believes. Joseph has not given up hope that God will restore him and bring to fulfillment those dreams that he'd given to him as a child. God gives this ray of hope and this, this spark in this, in this dark place that, that God is still with him, that God is still the God who keeps his promises, that God is the God that covenants with his people and brings those covenants to fulfillment. And in this dark moment and in this low point, God is bringing hope to Joseph. That's just the kind of God he is. You see, that's why on a Sunday morning we do what we do with the God story time. We call them God stories because we want to hear what God is doing in your life, how God encouraged you this week, maybe God delivered you from this week. And let me tell you what, the more personal your God story is, the more scary it is to share, the greater blessing it is to the body. And I'm telling you, when we say those moments, sometimes I know when we say it, I can hear, I can hear the fear kind of like flying about in this place, right? And just landing on people, like... Like, God did something amazing in your life, but you're, you're just, like, scared. What, what will somebody think of that? They'll, maybe they'll think that that's too weird. Maybe they'll think that, that that's too out there. And I don't want to get labeled as that kind of Christian. Let me tell you something. If God has given you a word in your life that you need to hear, 
and that has encouraged you and lifted you up in its accordance with the scriptures, it is going to be a blessing for us to hear as well. Do not remain silent. For God is at work in your lives, and this body needs encouragement because we have people right now that are in the pits of despair in their hearts and their lives, and they're struggling. They're dealing with temptation. They're dealing with suffering. They're dealing with illness. They're dealing with a lot of different things in their life, and they need to hear from you, and you're denying them that ray of hope that God needs to instill in their hearts and lives right now by being afraid and the evil one's winning. Let's stop that. If, I, I think on Sunday mornings, if John next week and says, well, I guess nobody's raising their hands again, we're going to stop the service. We're going to stop. And we're going to say, are you kidding me? God hasn't worked at all this week? This is important. To hear what God's doing is important. I need it. You know, my little girl's heading, she's going to be on life support. She won't even be breathing for herself. I needed your encouragement this morning. I needed to hear how God came through for you this week. I needed to hear that. So guess what? Where's that microphone? We're going to do it again. Right now. Who's got a God story? Who's got a God story in their life? Who's going to bring a word of encouragement right now? Steve. I think you can turn this down just a little bit. It's just right on the edge. So this uh, last week we had uh, <clears throat> two couples that we uh, kind of grew up with. Uh, we went to a church over in Woodenville, and uh, in my our early 30s we met them, and our kids were little, and, and we basically raised our kids together. One of those men um, was a guy that always had the kind of off-color story to tell. Uh, a little joke, a little innuendo. Um, and I confess that usually it was kind of, yeah, 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 you know. But our wives didn't like it, and we didn't really like it. But he kept on doing it. And um, I confronted him a little bit. The other friend confronted him a little bit, but it, it didn't change. And so we had a time together this week, and at the end of that, as they were leaving, this gentleman said, stopped us all and said, I want to apologize. This is what I'm working on. I am trying so hard to stop this. And he said, I've been doing it since his folks were uh, missionaries and he came back from Africa and, and he was trying to be accepted by the other kids because he felt he didn't fit in. And, and um, so he started doing this and he did it all his life. So here we are, 30s, we're all in our 70s now. And he finally said, Pray for me. I'm trying to stop this. And I thought that was a God moment. Praise God. Don Webb, back there. I was going to just share this with our Bible study group, but maybe the whole church should hear this. My wife and I have been married for over 51 years. She is my buddy, my partner. We enjoyed life together till. September the 6th, 1999, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, helping our son and daughter-in-law build a house. She slipped and fell. Our life made an instantaneous change. But I was able to take care of her. In some cases, she still took care of me. 
the last 15 years. Finally, she wound up in the hospital. And I would spend as much time as I could with her down there, spending day and night with her, day and night with her. And now um, she's in Colonial Vista where I can't spend the nights with her. I spend as much time with her here as I can, but I'm feeling that I'm not taking care of her as well as I should. And I guess it kind of happened, taking the bus down to see her Thursday morning. I just kind of broke down and I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore myself. Lord, it's going to have to be you. I'll do what I can. But Lord, you have got to step up and take care of my wife because I cannot do it anymore. These last few days, I felt a, a weight of being lifted off of my shoulders, and I'm realizing that God is in control, Amen. and he knows what to do. Thank you, Don. So I um, struggle with a form of pride, which actually is, um, so some people in the way they struggle with pride is thinking too highly of themselves, and I struggle with feeling too low about myself. And so within that struggle, um, I tend to stop doing the things that God tells me to do, like exercise. Um, eating healthy, and sometimes I turn to c cigarettes, which a lot of people go, oh my goodness, she smokes. Um, <laughs> so um, it's a struggle of mine every once in a while, and especially when I get around my family, my sisters all smoke, and I usually join in. But I know that it's, it's something that takes me to a place that's in a dark place where I'm, I'm not doing well. So, as I've been struggling with this, um, the other day I went and bought a pack of cigarettes, and yesterday, um, I, or it was actually it was the day before yesterday, as I was praying about it, I thought this is ridiculous. Why do I keep doing this? I know it's not good for me, and um, I was praying and I was reading in this book that I use a lot when I struggle with this, and. I clearly heard the voice. You are my child and you are victorious. Amen. And immediately I threw those cigarettes away and I haven't even thought about it since. And it's hard for me to share this. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit right here. Other <laughs> Peggy. We'll close with Peggy. Otherwise, we can. I've been hanging on to this one for a few weeks because I wasn't quite sure if, you know, everybody would see it the same way. Um, I guess it's three or four weeks ago. I was going to Wenatchee, saw a fruit stand advertising some fruit, but I was going too fast, so um, turned around, got back on the highway, and pulled up on the side of the, um, in the highway to wait to turn. And um, as I'm sitting there, there's a line of cars and motorcycles on the other side of the 
road, and so I'm waiting, obviously, with my foot on the brake, blinker on, um, and for whatever reason, I look up into my rear view mirror, and there's a semi coming toward me, and he wasn't looking like he was slowing down. <laughs> And there was really nothing I could do because of the traffic in the other lane and no place to get over on the other side. So without even thinking, I took my foot off the brake. I moved about two feet and the semi <laughs> came up behind me and the cab was inches, um, inches behind my car. Um, it was an unbelievable moment, and I went home that day telling Dave that I had a God moment. <laughs> Very grateful. Amen. Thank you. That's the beauty of the body of Christ is we get a be those beacons of light and, and, and hard and dark moments for one another. And we share that on the, in a large gathering on a Sunday, but I think we need it more regularly, and that's why we do have our life groups, and we, that's why we do think that they're so important that we need to regularly hear those things um, during the week, interacting with one another on a regular basis. We need those kind of relationships and those stories more often than just Sunday mornings. The last point, I'd love to tell you that this chapter ends on a bit of a higher note. Good news is next week it does start to get up a little bit in the higher, more emotional perspective, I think. But this chapter ends with this statement. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. But forgot him. Wrestle with that in your heart for just a minute. Obedient, faithful servants Seeming without hope. How do we go about living for God while we feel forgotten? And I think most of us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, may have had those moments where you felt like, I can't feel God's presence. I don't hear the voice of God. I feel completely alone. Um, I'm just filled with hurt. Feelings of abandonment. What does it look like to live for God in those moments? And again, we see our, our, the, the greater Joseph, Jesus Christ, um, from the cross. He's crying out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does it look like? How can we possibly in those Moments of depth and despair. And I'm not just talking about the, the fanciful emotions. I'm talking about 
you've just received news that you got cancer and you got like weeks to live. You've got a baby at home. I'm talking about you've been married to someone for many, many, many years, and all of a sudden you come home, they come home and they tell you that they've got someone else they love more than you, and you had no idea. I'm talking about thinking that your financial future is set and that You've done, you've been disciplined in putting money away into savings and you, you've invested your money wisely and you've worked so hard to make sure that it, towards the end of your life you can be a more of a blessing to your kids by being there more present with your grandkids and because you won't have to work so much and then all of a sudden some jerk runs off with your money. What is, who is God in that moment? What does it look like to, in that moment, serve him, be faithful to him, and, and, it, and, and even by the actions and of yourself in that moment, invite other people to know Jesus? I don't have the answer for you. And I believe the only place that we can find the answer for that is, is in God's words. So I'm going to resort back to to something that I love dearly. It's a passage of scripture that I keep coming back to over and over again in my own life, and that's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And I'd love for you to turn there. Hebrews is in the back part of your Bible. If you go to Revelation and slowly work, work, work backwards from Revelation, you'll run into the book of Hebrews. It's a small book, 13 chapters. But we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And I want you to see these words as we close this out. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus went to the cross and poured out his blood for us. We have this ability now to enter into the very presence of God, even when we don't feel like it, to be the very place where God dwells. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Underline this, if you will, please. Underline this, highlight it in your electronic text. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Brothers and sisters, in those places, in those moments, the best thing that we can do as we try to live our life on mission for God, is get down on our face before God, get prone before God, get flat before God, and with tears streaming down our face, say, God, I don't feel you, I don't know what this was going on, but I know you're here, and I'm just gonna lie here and be in your presence. I'm just gonna be in your presence, and I'm just gonna let it go. Because I can't handle this. I can't bear this weight. I can't, I can't even get up from here. And I just need to be with you. As we were talking about this week during sermon chat, 
my, my, my girls give me two different types of hugs. I'm going to pick on them for a second. I'm sorry I didn't ask if this was okay. Um, oh, forgiveness. Um, they, they give me a hug where, where Catherine will show it's a goodnight hug, and she'll, she'll come in and she'll just, like, lean her head into me and just, all right, and just, all right, and then, and then love you, Daddy, and off to bed. And not, it's not a, she's not being less than loving at that moment. And then there's that hug that maybe when we, we've hurt each other in some way, I, I may have yelled at her or she may have done something wrong, and we're working through it. And at the end of that time, she leans into me, and it's not just with her head, it's her whole, she's just pressing into me, and her arms are tightly wrapped around me, and her hands are flat against my back, and she's just leaning into me. Now, in that moment, she may not feel that we're really close because we're working through some junk, but she's leaned into me. And that's what we got to do with Jesus. We lean into him. He is the greater high priest. He is the greatest high priest. And because what he did on the cross, we get to just lean into him. And Joseph, in those moments, forgotten, abandoned, alone, in the stillness and the darkness, had no place to lean into but into the Lord God. Second thing that passage says is let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised his faithful. I used to have a book on my bookshelf. All my books are packed up right now. I'll be moving them out here in a couple weeks, which I'm kind of excited about. And it was God's promises for the graduate. I was given that when I graduated high school like two years ago. <laughs> I have looked over that book over and over again. And in those moments where things were hard, I was questioning things. And it was just a fun little book to open up and then read these scripture passages and the promises that God has made to us that we lean into not only Jesus himself, because Jesus wants us to lean in and trust him, but also to the promises that God has made to us. We lean into those promises. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I am with you all ways to the end of the age. Lean into the promises of God, for he alone is trustworthy and true and never changing. And finally, the text says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I feel really bad for Joseph because in those moments, he is alone. Brothers and sisters, we have the body of Christ, the church. We get to lean into each other. We get to be vulnerable with each other. I mean, how hard, Don, to stand up and sit here and say, it's so hard I have loved and cared for my wife so hard. Now I just lack the physical capacity to care for the way she needs to. And Lord, I feel like a failure. But in Jesus Christ, he doesn't need to feel like a failure because God is going to strengthen him and give him wisdom how to care for his wife the way she needs to be cared for. And if you don't know Don's story, you just need to sit down with Don sometime, take him for a cup of coffee, and hear a story. It'll... it'll It'll break your heart, and it'll give you some perspective on your own life and, and what you're struggling with. 
And Don will be very honest about his struggles in the midst of all of it. But what he says, what Kathy said, what Steve said, these get to stir us up. And this idea of stirring up is this agitation. Like, they're agitating us to the point where, like, be encouraged. Okay, stop shaking me and I'll be encouraged. But that's what we get to do. We get to be part of each other's lives. So it's really, really weird for me. And forgive me, I'm going to be really honest, but I think I need to be. It's really weird for me to hear Christians say, I don't want to spend time with other Christians. That's really weird for me. And that's hard for me to go, but don't you get it? You're so much stronger with other believers. You're so much better. Why would, I, why would you want to not do that? Why would you? You're, you're, you're setting yourself up. And so I'm really hoping that at the end of the day, we got like 100 people going, I want to sign up for a connect group. We don't have that many. We have like, but I really would love to see us like, I want to intentionally spend time with people. I want to intentionally come together and regularly gather with other people. And we want you to do this, brothers and sisters, so badly. We need each other. Because these moments will come. It's not if, it's when. Because we have a cross. That we're marching for Jesus, and Jesus wants to know him. And the way Jesus, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, we could go there too. The way we get to know him is he disciplines those he loves. And no discipline feels good while you're going through it. This story ends in a seemingly hopeless moment, but because of who God is, we know it isn't hopeless. Because of who God is and his character, we know that God is true to his promises. I hope that as we move forward through this, we don't forget about this. We're going to move into some more happier moments in Joseph's life, but I hope we don't forget the feelings of heartache and heartbreak. That in these moments we realize that we need to lean into Jesus. He is real. He's not just some mythical figure. He is real and he loves you and he wants a personal relationship with you. And he gave you the Holy Spirit so that he, you could have that relationship with him. We need to lean into the promises of God. To know God's word and to hear from God's word and to just break it open and read through it. Stephen, this guy in the New Testament, talk about your short lifespan as a deacon. Appointed as a deacon and it seems just like next chapter where, where he's getting brought before the Sanhedrin, drug out in the street and stoned to death. But as all of this is going on, Stephen is looking into the heavens and seeing the glory of God and trusting in the promises of God. And at the end of that chapter, it says that Stephen fell asleep. And I know and we know he was ushered into the presence of God. Brothers and sisters, that is my prayer for us, that we just look over Hebrews 10, continue to lean in, to those let us statements and discover our God who is present in the lowest of moments and that we can live lives 
that in the darkest of moments point people to Jesus Christ. Please join with me in a prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the courage of the people to share. Thank you for the courage of the people that if we would have let this go on, that more hands would have popped up, and I'm so excited to hear from them next week. Lord God, thank you that you are the God who never leaves us and the God that never forsakes us and the God who is present always with us. And you are the God who wants, you want to be known. And that is so mind-blowing. You want us to know you. And not just an academic knowledge, but this personal hug, like deep sense of knowing within our very hearts and souls and being of, of your tender love and your tender mercies that never fail and that are new every morning. Lord, you want to be that real to us, and I pray, Father God, that we would lean into you to know you like that. Please, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, touch us, strengthen us, encourage us, that we may live lives that put the gospel on display at all times. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way we're doing communion, um, we're going to continue to do communion this way, is we're going to, um, we're, we're having our youth service. So hold on a second. You're, you're leaning forward, which is good. I like that. You're anticipating. That's good. It's a good lineman position. You're ready to fire off. I like that. Our youth are going to serve us this morning during, and they're going to hand out the elements as we sing the first song. Communion is our time for us to continue to remember what Christ did. His blood made it possible for us to enter into the holy place, to enter into the presence of God, to know God. Not to have to go through a priest, not to have to go through someone else, but for each of us to personally know who God is and be in relationship with him. Christ's body, his, his flesh, makes it possible that we can enter through that curtain, that curtain that was torn, that was torn top to bottom, ripped, so that we might have access. And so we take these elements remembering, remembering those things and that we celebrate what God's done for us. And again, I hope we're just desperate this morning to, to take them, to lead our families in taking them. And this is for, the, this is for the, the body of Christ. These elements are for the family of God. And, and if you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, welcome back, kids. It's good to see you all here. Um, did I ask that you let the elements pass by? But for those of us in Christ, I am encouraged, take communion with somebody next to you. Take communion with your family. Take communion with your friends. Take communion in your life group. We may be in rows when we hand the elements to you, but feel the freedom to get up if you want to get up and move and go take communion in the back or come in the side. Or, hey, maybe this morning you're like, I can't take communion yet. I got to go talk to somebody. I, there's some junk between me and another believer, and I want to go get that away, and I want to seek forgiveness, and I want to take communion with them this morning, and I need to do that. Do it. Have courage in this time to be free to do these things. So, read out of 1 Corinthians 11, and we'll have the band play, and we'll have the elements handed out to us.
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, I also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we just ask that as we move into this time of remembering the Lord's Supper, Lord God, that you would work in our hearts and our lives and may grace be distributed from these elements to us as we remember the grace of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross for us. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit.